definitely it doesn't matter where you're at now is really a good time to start and you're you know it's a bit emotional you're putting some trust in somebody but the first step is just to accept no matter what i've done so far i feel ahead i feel behind i'm feel prepared i'm underprepared i think there's value in talking to somebody else whether you entrust them with your money or not just start Welcome to the Community Conversation Podcast presented by Community America Credit Union. We have a compelling and impactful story to tell, and our goal with these conversations will never be to sell you something, but rather have an important discussion with our very talented employees, leaders, members, community partners, and experts from a variety of industries and causes to help educate and inform you. And stay tuned at the end of the podcast for some important disclosures. Welcome back to the Community Conversation. I'm Heath Birch, the Director of Wealth Management by Community America. This episode, we're really going to dive into not just wealth management, but maybe the most discussed topic with our members and clients, which is around retirement planning. So to, to take a run at that, we wanted to involve a couple of other advisors on the team um, with different backgrounds and, and maybe different client sets that can add some perspective to mine. I want to introduce both Ashley Dixon. Hello. Hello. And Scott Pfeiffer. Hello. Glad you both were, were willing to jump on this today. Um, you know, it was intentional pulling the two of you into this because I think your perspective will be really useful for members, both in background and just the way that you interact and work with clients. So maybe before we get into the, the heart of the conversation, we could just take a second and get to know a little bit more about both of you. So Ashley, I know you've got some time in both banking and wealth management, but could you give us just a little bit of, of background into your time with the credit union? Yeah, I've been with the credit union for about 14 years now and played a role in multiple different aspects of the credit union services our members and decided that I really like the intimate relationship that wealth management provides. And so transitioned over there a few years ago and loved every minute of it. Yeah, you're going to be great for this because even in in your role now as a wealth advisor, I, I find you go into great detail in planning, but your background on the banking side really kind of supported the initial retirement planning conversation so many people have. It, it oftentimes doesn't start with these big, deep financial questions. They just want to know where to start and kind of find their footing. So I'm, I'm kind of anxious to get your perspective later on some of these topics just around where those conversations can start and the fact that they can't really ever be too small. Absolutely. Scott, your background's a, a little bit different, some, some military background to point to, and a successful career in between that and this that I think kind of fed into what makes you the advisor you are now, but same deal, right? About a decade with the credit union. Want to give us a little bit of history there? Yeah, I've been with the credit union. It'll be 10 years this December, uh, coming out from a couple of different angles there. The one thing I enjoy about the credit union is that there's already a relationship with members and uh, and a relationship of trust that I'm able to build on on the wealth management side. So um, the only difference is is that meeting them through the credit union, you're they're looking for the same things in retirement, generally to build, manage, and transfer wealth and protect the assets that they've accumulated to that point. So um, that's how I try to approach the, the business. Yeah, I think between the three of us, we ought to be able to speak to the diversity of the questions we get. I, retirement planning is such a big deal because people are, you're always, it's in the back of your mind no matter how young you are, right? And obviously the concern grows over time, but point I'm trying to make there is that that thought is there whether you're 22 in your first job and wondering how to invest in your 401k or if you're 
40 and maybe entering your peak earning years and trying to figure out how to save or when you get a little bit closer to retirement and you know the question I get is where do I stand next to my peers and so there's all these different conversations that happen along this this timeline but I, I think I think what it, what comes to me when I think about retirement planning is it's personal and sometimes it's uncomfortable and you know I mentioned people worry about where they are relative to peers they worry if they've done enough it can make this process stressful and so I think oftentimes people find that they've maybe started a little bit late because of some form of, of avoidance. Don't you guys feel that sometimes when you're introduced to somebody the first time? Yep. Our life happened. I feel like everyone goes through these life stages that transform our decisions and prioritize themselves. And so sometimes we, it's not an immediate gratification saving for retirement. We don't feel the positives and the great outcomes that come from it. And so it can kind of be left to the side. Yeah, it's hard to do until you find some momentum and then you start to get excited about Absolutely. it. It becomes very easy to do. Completely agree. I, you know, it's amazing that you see people that, you know, have lived successful professional lives and maybe have, you know, high income, maybe even high asset, but have still put this, the planning component of this on the back burner because numbers aren't their thing. They deal with, you know, other marketing, un, non-number related things that just, uh, so it just kind of falls on the back burner and, and, uh, they're interested in making the money, but not necessarily managing it or protecting it. So, um, education is a big part of what we do for those people. So you try to facilitate, educate and empower. And then, you know, at some point there's a, okay, I trust you. I'm going to hand this off to you. I'm going to hire you to help me do this so I can shift back to what it is I do like to do. And I enjoy and fill that time. It's so interesting you say that you just described to a T a conversation yesterday for me. Someone who's done really well and is successful and has done so many things right, they've just, you know, wanted to figure out where they fit into their own plan, if that makes sense. What parts do they want to do? What parts do they want to entrust somebody else to do? And it's almost like there's this dance people do trying to just find the right the, the right structure for them as a family. There, there are people who are, are going to do it on their own and are perfectly capable. And I say a lot, if you're willing to invest the time, I, I don't think capacity is an issue for any of my clients just a question of what they want to focus their time on, you know, where's that time best spent. And then, you know, by handing it off to somebody else, can you remove some of the emotion that maybe can lead to, to some bad decisions? hundred percent, hundred percent agree. Well, I think what I'd, I'd like to try to do is, is kind of distill this down in a way where it's useful for all of our members, which is tough to do because like we said, people are in different spots in life. So, you know, we won't dive into the, the, the details of really any demographic, but try to come up with, kind of five takeaways, I'll, I'll just call them bullet points for, for lack of something better, but kind of five concepts that maybe people should should give thought to or could give thought to to help them get started. And that actually kind of is my first one. The first one is it's just okay to start wherever you're at. So, you know, Ashley, you mentioned the education piece. If If somebody really is not even in a position to save yet, but they just want to learn because they know that day is coming, that's okay. And, you know, Scott, the example of someone who really has done so many things right, but just avoided the, the detailed conversation around retirement plan, doesn't matter where you're at, now is really a good time to start. And you're, you know, it's a bit emotional, you're putting some trust in somebody, but the first step is just to accept no matter what I've done so far, I feel ahead, I feel behind, I feel prepared, I've, I'm underprepared. I think there's value in talking to somebody else, whether you entrust them with your money or not just somebody else to talk to can be really important. So that's the first thing I made note of is just, just start. And if, if that means start small, 
start small. I would expect both of you probably have examples of families you've worked with where, you know, as a dollar value, initially the relationship was relatively modest and to them, maybe what they could save was small, but over time became really meaningful for them. And the reason it did is because they started down that path and just started saving, right? Absolutely. Um, And I think uh, when you sit down and have these courageous conversations, the key is identifying what that starting spot is. And it, sometimes we limit ourselves thinking that we don't have these funds in our budget, but but saying, hey, I'm going to prioritize this and I'm going to start with what I have motivates you because you start seeing these balances. Mm-hmm. You start seeing progression towards these goals that you set out. And so these these initial small or modest kickstarts turn into these goal-oriented substantial pieces. Yep. So, Yeah, I, just to piggyback on that, that um, – you know, for a lot of people, it's for, certainly it's a process, not a place. And so getting people comfortable with that process um, in that way, I think we often become accountability, uh, accountability partners so that, you know, when there are dips in the market, for example, those are to be taken advantage of, not to fear, uh, particularly for younger younger clients. Uh, but I, even younger, I'm talking about in your 60s, people often plan to retirement, not through retirement. So instead of planning through life expectancy, they often plan to retirement as if that was a finish line. And, and it's really a starting point. And um, it's rewarding to help get people to that starting point and beyond. Um, but it's a shift for a lot of a lot of clients, for sure. Yeah, I love love some of both both of you said, I think you mentioned courageous, you kind of talk about that fear. That was a note that I made to myself that People just don't feel ready to do it. So it does take a little bit of courage. And I think anybody who's been through a, an open conversation around this realizes it's not that difficult once you get started. It's just the willingness to kind of go in and, and, and start the conversation. Sky, you mentioned it's a, it's a process, right? So it's a process, not a place. And that kind of carries over to your comment about the fact that it's not planning to retirement. It's all the way through it, which ties into something I thought about as well, which is just kind of creating a system for yourself where it it become really daunting if if you're one who's maybe delayed starting or if you're one who feels behind especially there's oftentimes not this one time fix where you go in and say oh I'm going to do this that extra million dollars I had sitting around I'm going to invest it today to make up for that lost time uh, at least that's the that's not the the norm so systems and and just putting it on autopilot in some ways I, I've admitted to clients sometimes when you have that initial conversation. They want to know how often are we going to review this? And I, I'm one who believes that, you know, that's not necessarily linear, that life doesn't happen quarter to quarter. And you just happen to have that conversation on a specific date. It's sometimes it's very busy and the conversations come very fast and sometimes things are working well, but what allows you to do that is if you have a plan in place and you put systems in place to support that, there are times where somebody can just kind of let go of the retirement plan for the while because they're doing the right thing. And things are working in the background. You can go back to focus on the things that you enjoy and love. So um, putting systems in place, the, the, you know, the other thought I kind of have when I think about retirement planning and just somebody acknowledging it's okay to start where you are is just being willing to build from zero. Mm-hmm. That's where I started my retirement plan, right? That's where I started mine. Yep. Same I here. mean, I guess that would be where we all start <laughs> our yeah, retirement plans yeah. eventually. Um so, yeah, I think we'll, maybe we'll leave that bullet there, that it's, it's okay to start no matter where you're at. The key is, is, is to just start. Um, but then as you get into it, so people want to talk about the, the work that's to be done. I'm, I'm you know, maybe saving on my own. I don't feel like I have a plan in place. I'm ready to have that courageous conversation you mentioned, and I reach out to someone. What are some of the things we're going to have to go through? And 
I feel like the first thing we have to take account of is just where our spending's at, mm-hmm. right? It, it does so many things. It informs what you might need later, and it, it, it gives you the information to know what capacity you have to save now. Sometimes the answer is you don't, and that's okay, but you haven't avoided the issue. You've just understood that maybe where I'm at in life means I need to build up some emergency reserves or I need to address some some debt, but... I have to imagine you guys have had some of those conversations too, where the best advice you could give to somebody is to not do something or maybe stop doing something, right? Absolutely. Yeah. It, and it's a good realization of where I'm at right now. So um, I I know we're all big believers that emergency accounts and feeling that peace of mind before you get started is key to be successful long-term. So um, even though we want to start and we want to start somewhere, and a lot of times we say we want to start by utilizing these investment vehicles or retirement vehicles, those are great if you have the peace of mind to continue to go through with the strategy or success plan that you have put in place. So if you're too worried about paying your month-to-month goals, it doesn't necessarily make sense to put it in something that you can't access if needed. Right. So agree, identifying where your opportunities are and, and going from there. Yeah, and I, I would say, um, you know, a common, if not the most common question I get is, do I have enough to retire or how much do I need to retire? Um, and obviously, you can't answer that until you know what the needs are. I mean, that's a needs-based question, so that's the biggest part of that equation is helping people assess that. And I'm not generally too involved in the uh, – I might help quantify the need, but that's a very personal thing, like how much you want to spend and what you want to do retirement in retirement is, you know, that's up to you, that's up to your family. Uh, it's my job to fast-forward your financial life and see if that's feasible or what changes we need to make, be it more risk, fund something, you know, more, uh, dial it back. I often ask if I have any clients listen, they've heard this, but are we going to buy a winery or are we just hanging out with grandkids with some travel, you know? So it's – um, you back into that number and, and knowing what your retirement spending needs are through retirement, factoring in inflation and tax erosion, those kinds of things are um, a big part of that. Answer yeah. that question. I think sometimes people feel like it's a punt. You know, you get asked the question to help somebody budget. I just think that's such a personal thing. Right. I don't, I don't right. know that my job is to tell somebody where they should allocate their money because really the way somebody spends their money kind of tells you what priorities are. And it doesn't make them wrong if they're different than yours. That's a, again, it's a very personal thing. And, and even goals can be prioritized so differently that, you know, you could give somebody the standard guidance that retirement should be prioritized over saving for your kid's college. But if the family places more value there and that's where they want to invest, that's where they should invest. Absolutely. Right? Yep. Yep. So I, it's, I do, I kind of put that work back to families and just tell them that having that honest conversation at home about where your budget's at and then arming me with that information might generate some useful conversation, right. but it's got to start got to start there. Right. If we get past the the concept of understanding where we're spending as a family, you kind of advance beyond the, the dreaded budget. One of the things that has to happen here is to put any type of investment strategy in place, we really have to understand risk. And I, I think this gets so oversimplified in our industry and the idea that risk tolerance is defined by 10 questions that you would ask somebody who who may very likely fill that questionnaire out differently every time you give it to them, if you gave it to them five times in a row. I, to me, there's so much more to that. And and even sometimes how those questions are filled out, I don't think really illustrates how somebody feels about money. To me, it's more about, you know, this, this upside and downside capture, meaning that 
you know, where are they going to hold you most accountable? If the market's doing really well, are they most concerned about making sure they're reaching the same level of return as the market is? Very differently, some people are far more concerned about the downside. may tell you they're aggressive, but when the market starts to move against them, they're dealing with stress that, you know, again, it's not wrong, but you've got to arrive at what somebody's personal tolerance is. I feel like the best way to get there is through conversation. I can't, I can't see how we can tackle that through, through paper form, but it drives so many different things. I mean, if we don't do that, we, we kind of have to understand what their tolerance are in their investment portfolio to drive what they need to be saving, right? We have to make a lot of assumptions in our job, but you want those to be as informed as possible. And you really have to understand what their, what their personal tolerance is, not what a questionnaire says. Do you guys have any interesting tricks or ways that you go about that? I know that, that, you know, ultimately the same tools are oftentimes used by many of us, but the way we get there can be different. How do you start the conversation to understand what somebody's tolerance for risk is and what kind of saver that, that maybe they are? You know, it's, there's no easy way. I, I'm 100% agree. It's not, it's not a questionnaire driven, quantifiable thing. I, I find that I often have to start that conversation with an understanding of what kinds of risks, you know, are out there because, you know, you get into liquidity risk is a common, well, I need to get, I need to get access to my, I need to get access to it. Well, well, all million, you know, all million, when's the last time you had a million dollar emergency? Let's, let's think about that a little bit. Well, I don't want any, I don't want to put any risk, you know, I don't want to expose it to any risk. A lot of times they're talking about market risk. Okay. Where are you going to trade market risk for the certainty of inflation risk? Um, and so to getting, uh, to meet people where they are, you have to help them sort of understand where they are and help them understand the risks that they're facing because, you know, a, a real estate person, uh, you know, we'll have have several clients that are primarily real estate people. Well, they're um, who are completely market averse. Well, there are pros and cons to both of those, and there are risks in every asset class you name. I just want to help you understand them, and then we'll sort of arrive at a place that balances those risks because that's the, um, you know, that's the best way to move forward in the long term. If you're overexposed in any one asset class, obviously that can bite you later. So let's. Yeah. Let's start with education. Let's find out where you are. And then, you know, and I say this a lot with clients, uh, financial products aren't good or bad. They sort of do what they do. I'll help you understand the pros and cons of the different ones, and we'll address those risks and move forward. So if you do or don't do something, at least within Community America, I don't really care which vehicle you use or choose. I'll just make sure you understand them and make an informed decision when, you, when, we, when we move forward. So it's, you know, being product agnostic, I guess. And so um, – but but risk does yeah I, there, there's no easy way I just it's just a conversation of what's important to them and um, helping them understand the various types of risk that they might not even be aware of right I I agree I think the education part helps um, and then um, something that I kind of add to the conversation is we we just um, we talk about what's going on what's important to them and then time horizon really helps us identify what that risk is. And as um, we look at their long-term goals, um, their time horizon, and then we look at their comfort level, we really diversify. And um, all, of, all of our financial plans, I mean, they're, they're living plans. So they're, they're going to shift. The goal is to identify that strategy, and it would take a large momentum to make us kind of go off keel. And so we're flexible with it, but 
but understanding that comfort level at the beginning is very important. Yep. You hit on something. I think compartmentalizing money in some way can be helpful in this, that one account doesn't serve all your needs, right? So if you can clearly identify what assets serve what goal, it makes it much easier, I think, to invest for that goal versus trying to find this one size fits all. Pfeiffer, I've, I've learned this from you that I don't, there really aren't. Oh, thank you. Appreciate it. <laughs> really aren't bad products out there. Um, they can just be used wrong, right? They're deployed wrong at times. So it's it's really, I think, getting far enough into the conversation that there's not this standard answer you try to apply to somebody. You have to kind of do it in reverse. The you know, So if we get through those stages, we get from the point that we're willing to start. You know, we've, we've kind of determined what spending looks like, so we have an eye as to what future spending might look like and where we can save. We've kind of assessed risk, and now it's time to save. Something that struck me as I was reflecting on this is just that I feel like so many times – there are unrealistic expectations attached to this goal. That we're ready to start saving money, and it's someone who either commits to saving more than they could reasonably save on a monthly basis, or maybe it's the reverse. The willingness to save doesn't match what their future goals say. So we all struggle with that both as a family, right, or as an advisor working with families. So when, the, when you know, you're kind of dealing with this divergence between what we think we want and what we're willing to do to get there, how do you reconcile that with clients? I mean, it's to me, I guess, to kind of give you a head start there, I feel like that the, the goals really shouldn't start with the money itself. The goal should be kind of your why. Mm-hmm. And when you figure out why you're doing something, it gives you all the incentive you might need to, to actually take the actions to get there. If your goal is financially a million dollars in this account, I don't know what the motive, for some people, maybe that's the motivation, but if I instead say this money is for that vacation home that's going to be a place for me and my kids and my grandkids to come together for the next 30 years, there's a different motivation attached to that. So just tell me a little bit about how you guys reconcile those differences or maybe help people find center on why they're saving to actually kind of incentivize the action. I think identifying the goals, just like you said, the why, what's important to me, what value, what, so retirement planning specifically, if we want to look at that. So if we have that open conversation and we're talking about what what do I see in my retirement? What do I value most? And what does that look like? What does that feel like? Then we can kind of put a numeric dollar amount to it or um, use our resources to guesstimate what that would look like and then work backwards. And so sometimes this working backwards can say, this is doable. This is something I can attain. Or sometimes we have to make big shifts. And those shifts really drive how we're going to save and, and like we started with, saving anything is better than not. Mm-hmm. So taking that initiation and then being okay with shifting later on. So um, I think it grounds us a little bit by working backwards. Yeah, I, um, along with that, the, um, you know, t- timeline and risk or comfort with risk, and usually that means fluctuation. That's kind of the bigger thing. If it's a three- to five-year goal, obviously I'm going to take less risk and um, because it's a shorter timeline. So It's so hard when you plan based on what you see anybody else do or they tell you you should do that's built built on their plan, right? This is too personal. So I, you, like you guys both keep mentioning things that I think are interesting kind of feed into this, but you're progressing through it. I'm ready to start. I've determined spending. I've assessed my risk. I'm now saving, you know, Ashley, I think your word was it's a living plan. Back to Scott, your earlier comment, you know, it's a process. So the last piece here, the fifth thing that I would I would encourage people to be mindful of is just how do you continue to evaluate 
and then ultimately update this plan because it's not going to be right the first time. Life's going to happen is the way you put it, right? So things are going to change and, and you're going to need to adapt. So the, the last thing I want to ask the two of you is just we, we've gotten to the point where draft one, we'll call it, or the retirement plan is in place and we're down that path of life and we know things have to change. How do you handle that process? What's the, what is the right cadence for somebody to look back at this? Is it truly systematic? Is it, is it, you know, much more flexible than that? I think I kind of hinted to the way I think about this earlier, but just how do you handle that relationship to help them feel comfortable that you put your best foot forward, know you're going to have to change this, leave yourself the flexibility to change. And so when something comes up, you have the ability to adapt the plan to either serve a new need or deal with a new dynamic or sometimes deal with certain challenges, right? What's the, what's that part of the relationship look like for you when you're working with a client? It's, it's developing that relationship. And so I, it's setting that expectation that I am going to be open with you and I'm going to utilize the information that we share amongst each other to make sure that I'm trying to develop the strategy that's specific to you and your needs. Knowing that those things can shift because if you're 35 and you're forward thinking what life's going to look like, it might shift in 20 years. So it, it, it can shift. But every time there's a shift or there's a new value add to your life that you want to put priority on, we have to have this open relationship because I won't know. Right. And so it's just creating that trust and that foundation and then having those open conversations along the way. Yep. All right. So let's let's try to wrap this up for everybody and, and revisit real quick kind of where we covered to make this actionable. So, you know, thinking through these five steps, first thing we want to remind everybody is just be okay to start wherever you are. Don't don't worry about where you think you should be or where somebody else might be. Focus on you and, and just understand that this is important and there's no time better than now. Secondly, just just move on to, to this open conversation of understanding what your spending is now to help both inform what your spending might be like in the future, but also understand your capacity to save and, and you know where you are and the ability to support a plan like this. Third, move on to assessing your personal risk tolerance. I think the focus there is it's different for everybody, and it's, it's, it's not a questionnaire that's going to tell you what to do. It needs to be an open conversation with somebody that you trust to understand what your comfort level is and, and let it be driven by your goals, not somebody else's. Once you get through that, save and, and start small. Put systems in place. It doesn't matter if it's $20 a month. And then from there, just, just monitor the plan. The fifth step is just stay on top of this, and it doesn't have to mean that it's this obsessing watching every obsessive watching every month or this daily monitoring, but just be open to the fact that these are our living plans that they need to, to be evaluated. And sometimes you're going to have to update it. Um, you're going to have to make changes. You're going to have to be okay with the fact that, that life dictates you handle things differently than maybe you originally intended. So hopefully that's helpful for everybody. Uh, I really want to thank Scott and Ashley, both of you guys for being willing to jump on and, and share some of your insights. So Scott, appreciate you jumping on and taking the time. Yeah, and Ashley, appreciated your insight too. I think in listening to both of you talk, you realize there's so many similarities between good advisors, but there is a little different tone and structure and kind of cadence to how all of all of us do this, right? So thank you too for just kind of sharing some different opinions in the way that, that you carry. You were the one that gave us the living plan term. Uh, appreciate the insight there as well. Yeah, thank you for the opportunity. This was fun. I um. Yeah, get started where you're at. We'll meet you where you're at. And and it is an intimate conversation. And I do find that when you're ready to have it 
and you're open to have it, good things happen. So um, be willing to do it and, and meet with someone and start a relationship towards your goals. I, <laughs> I, one thing I wanted to sort of uh, highlight too, but just based on what something Ashley just said is, uh, you know, this is talking a lot about people that are getting started and building and growing. There's also a fair number of people out there that have done a lot of things, um, but just haven't necessarily done anything on purpose. And so maybe they're about to retire, they're early in retirement, and so they're thinking about things like asset protection, um, or what if the market goes south and I'm 62 and I just retired, and my biggest fear is losing all my money. <clears throat> um, it's a different conversation, but it's a similar process, and, and meeting people where they are, like Ashley said, is uh, it's the same for them. So whether you're building or starting the plan or just putting a plan in place after um, you've been building a nest egg. It's 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 the same. It's the same uh, same for us. Same process for us. So important. You probably just started what could be a whole nother conversation, right? right? It's so right. hard to talk about retirement planning because there's these different stages of life, and you try to provide actionable guidance there. But you're it's, thinking back to conversations just in the last week for people who have done very well, but feel a little bit unanchored in their plan because they're just not sure. They know they've, they've done a good job. Like intuitively, you know when you've, you've done a lot of the right things, but to find that confidence to actually be able to retire or feel comfortable early in retirement that I'm going to be okay for the next 40 years is a whole different conversation. Yeah. So the Defining the funds. Mm-hmm. It, this is highlighting, I think, one of the things I'm, I'm most proud of within the group is there's some, some diversity in, in background and focus across our advisors. So for those of you listening that are looking for some help in this, and, and I would really just capture it as a conversation, that is the starting point. So for anybody who's, who's looking for some help in this or, or needs a sounding board, um, Wealth Management with Inside, with Inside of Community America is, is in a position to help you, I think, no matter what stage of life that you're in. So uh, you can easily find us through our website. We welcome that conversation. Appreciate all of you taking the time to listen to this and talk to you all again soon. Thank you for listening. And from all of us at Community America Credit Union, we are thankful you joined us today and hope you walk away with a few nuggets to help you with your financial journey. We look forward to you joining us for our next Community Conversation podcast. If you would like to learn more, about us or read any of our insights via our blog posts, please visit communityamerica.com. Until then, take care. This recording is for educational and entertainment purposes only. It should not be viewed as personalized financial advice. You should speak with your own financial advisor before making any investment decisions. Past performance is not an indication or guarantee of future results. Investing in securities involve risk, including the potential loss of all amounts invested. Diversification does not eliminate the risk of experiencing investment losses. Securities and advisory services offered through Community America Financial Solutions, LLC. Member of FINRA, SIPC. Community America Financial Solutions, LLC, is a wholly owned subsidiary of Community America Credit Union. Products offered through Community America Financial Solutions, LLC, are not in CUA, NCUSIF or otherwise federally insured are not guarantees or obligations of the credit union and may involve investment risks, including possible loss of principal. The opinions are those of the speakers and not necessarily the opinions of Community America Credit Union, Community America Financial Solutions LLC, or any of their affiliates. 
Wealth Management by Community America is a marketing name used by Community America Financial Solutions, LLC.